Welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church podcast, where we share weekly sermons from our church services. We're so glad you've decided to join us today. We are a multi-generational family church located in the heart of Little Rock. Calvary's mission is to glorify God by making disciples who make disciples. Whether you've long been part of our church family or are tuning in for the first time, we hope our podcast provides the same kind of welcoming space you'd find here on Sunday mornings. Most of all, we hope this space helps you engage God's Word and grow in your faith. Uh, During Advent, we're going to take a pause from the normal sermon series that we are going through, uh, the study of the Gospel of John, and we're going to have an Advent series. Uh, And Advent actually starts today, this year. It's the four Sundays before Christmas, and it concludes on Christmas Eve. And so you'll certainly want to be part of our Christmas Eve service if, uh, and bring your family and friends uh, if you're in town. Uh, and so uh, we're going to have an Advent series or a Christmas series for our sermons the next four weeks. And I've decided to title this Unsung Heroes of Christmas. And we're really going to do some character studies where we're going to look at characters that are not always front and center kind of some, what I would say, characters that are more in the background than in the foreground of the Christmas story. And today, the character that I want to look at and talk about and learn from is Joseph. Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, or so it was thought. That's how Luke says it in Luke chapter 3. And the reason for that is that, of course, we know Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus. Rather, he was the legal father of Jesus. But as we see his story, and he really is often in the background. He's not really a leading character with top billing, if you will, in the narrative. He's overshadowed greatly by his wife, Mary. Um, But I want us to see that in the the silent character that he is. He never speaks in the story, but in his silent character and in his willingness to be in the background, we see some tremendous character qualities. I think Joseph was one of the greatest men of God in all of Scripture. And so I want us to learn from him today. But before we jump into our text, let me just make a statement. If I were God... I'm not. If I were God and I were sending my one and only son from the glory of heaven to this fallen, broken, sin-filled, sinful world, evil world that's under the control of the evil one, if I were making that decision to send my son on this rescue mission to save the world from their sins, I'm going to place him in a royal home with all of the privileges of royalty and all of the prestige and all of the resources that 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 life would bring. That's the least I could do if my son is leaving the glory of heaven to come to this fallen world. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to place him into a family with the most experienced parents that you could find. 
because I want them to have been down this road before. I want them to know exactly what to do in each and every moment to take care of my son. So what does God do? He does just the opposite. He sends his one and only son, Jesus, to this world. He puts him in a lower class family, a working class family, the family of a first century carpenter. He allows him to grow up in a no-name village called Nazareth, really a no-name in the sense of its reputation, very obscure village. And he gives him to a, a mother that by all indications was a teenage mother and to parents who had absolutely no experience whatsoever in raising children. You know, I think it's clear to say that Scott's, uh, Scott's thoughts are not always God's thoughts, and Scott's ways are not always God's ways. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 1, and we're going to focus on verses 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 is really where we get an introduction into Joseph and into the birth narrative about Jesus. Let's pick up with verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Let's pause right here and just make a few brief comments and reflections. First of all, we know from verse 18 that Mary and Joseph were engaged, pledged to be married. But in their culture, uh, if you broke that engagement, it would require a legal event, unlike in our culture. It's only when a, a couple gets married that it's actually a legal uh, contract. But in the first century world, it was marriage and even engagement was a contract not only between the couple, the fiancés, if you will, but between their families. And it required a legal process to break that contract. So that's what it's talking about here. Uh, and then it's because, of course, Mary turns up pregnant. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a moment. Then look at verse 20. It says, but after he, Joseph, had considered this, this divorce, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And so now we have this insight that this was a divine impregnation of Mary. And she will give birth to a son. It'll be a boy, a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And Jesus literally means savior. And so Joseph is being instructed to not name his son Joseph Jr., as they often did with firstborn sons, but instead to name him for his mission. Savior. He's coming to rescue his people from their sins. 
And then we have a reference in verse 22 to a Old Testament prophecy, which is going to make this a messianic prophecy. Look what it says. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now that comes from Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14. And so this prophet lived some 700 years before Jesus. And through the prophet, he has announced that the Messiah would be born to a virgin and he would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. In other words, it's foretelling that this son was not only going to be Joseph's son, but he was the son of God. Fully God, fully man. That's what Emmanuel represents, the incarnate God, which is the amazing miracle of the Christmas story. And then verse 24 says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. A powerful story that introduces us not only to the birth narrative of Jesus, but to his earthly father, Joseph. I just want to think about Joseph for a moment and glean some characteristics, some attributes, some virtues that we see in his life from this story. Now, again, I believe Joseph is one of the most godly characters in all of Scripture, even though we don't have a whole lot of information about him. What we do have really points to uh, that type of person. And so one of the first things I would say about Joseph is that he was a godly man who was full of humility. Joseph was a very humble man. And we pick up on that in verse 18. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before she came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I could imagine what that would have been like for Joseph. Here he is, engaged, excited about his future and all that's coming. He's picked a wonderful woman by all accounts Mary was absolutely a righteous young lady. She would have been the poster child of righteousness and purity if you were to choose one. Everything about her was extraordinary. And Joseph knew that. He too was a very godly, righteous Jewish man, very committed to the Jewish law. We're told that in verse 19. And he wanted a woman that was like-minded and he found one. Now can you imagine his shock, his disbelief, his disappointment when Mary, of all people, turns up pregnant? It was so heartbreaking. Had to be unbelievably painful. No doubt he experienced frustration and extreme anger. All of us would if we were in his shoes. Tremendous embarrassment and tremendous humiliation. That's what this story represents. Now, I think it's interesting that the word humility comes from the same word group as the word humiliation. And there's a connection here. 
in this story and really in the ways of God. We know God will sometimes allow his followers, you and me and people like Joseph and the other Bible characters, to go through experiences of extreme rejection and humiliation. And yet out of that can be birthed this beautiful God-like quality called humility. And I think that's exactly what we see happening in Joseph. The Bible defines humility a little different than the way the world does. And the best definition is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This is what that verse says. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, there it is, that's the phrase that's being used, rather in humility value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So in the midst of Joseph's tremendous pain, hurt, disappointment, shock, embarrassment, and humiliation, he responds with this beautiful character of humility. He places Mary in her interest and her needs above his own. That's a tremendous godly response to a very seemingly ungodly situation. But then there's another characteristic that we see here. Joseph was a godly man, and one of the ways we see that in this story is through his kindness. Tremendously kind and tremendously caring. What's interesting is we find out in the story that the Holy Spirit was involved. We see that, um, that basically we know that his, um, the conception of Jesus came through the Holy Spirit, it says. She was found pregnant through the Holy Spirit. But we also see the Holy Spirit showing up in a more indirect way in Joseph and in his response. You know, the Bible tells us that there is this thing called the fruit of the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is leading somebody, filling somebody, part of indwelling somebody, then they will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And if you remember, Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Nine beautiful attributes that describe what it looks like when a person is being led by the Holy Spirit. When you look at Joseph's response and his intense care and concern for Mary's well-being, you are seeing the Holy Spirit in action, feeling him. Think about those things, the love that he showed to her, unconditional love, the kindness that he showed to her, the gentleness, the self-control, all of those things are very, very evident in Joseph's response. And he wants to take care of her even though she has hurt him deeply. And so it says in verse 19, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, but he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, it's interesting, verse 19 says that he was faithful to the law, and really the law allowed for and even kind of expected that if this happened to a man, 
and there was infidelity in the relationship, that he would stand up for his family and the reputation of his family and himself, and he would get a divorce. There were two options, a public divorce, and if he had gone that route, it actually could have cost Mary her life because the Old Testament Jewish law did allow for death by stoning for a person that has been unfaithful to their spouse. And he didn't want to go that route. He wanted to take care of Mary, to protect her. And so he chose the more private route where just a couple of witnesses would be required and then he could get the divorce certificate. And that's what he did. And so we see in this story a very caring, a very loving, a very kind Joseph, even though he had seemingly been treated in a very unkind, unloving way. But things are not always as they seem. Of course, we know that um, God was up to something special. Mary had no doubt told Joseph that she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, that she had still been faithful to her vows and her promises and her purity. But who was going to believe her? You know, as we read this story, it's interesting that we know that's what was happening. Matthew, the narrator, tells us right off the bat she was impregnated by the Spirit. Um, God, of course, knew this was his plan all along. The angels even knew about it. Mary knew about it. But who's left out of that loop? It was Joseph. Joseph did not know about it until he receives this visit from the angel himself in verse 20. And he's let in on this divine plan, this divine secret, this mysterious event where his fiance had become pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Well, then we have this conversation that comes through the angel and reveals this prophecy from Isaiah. And in the end, verse 24, we see, that G, we see Joseph's response. And this is really, I think, the third godly characteristic of Joseph. He was obedient. Every time we see him in action and he's told to do something, he does it. An obedient person. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary home to be his wife. He did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And then ultimately, he gave him the name Jesus. So we see obedience in all three of these responses. We also know from verse 19 that he was faithful to the law. He was a person that obeyed the Old Testament Jewish Mosaic law. He had had an obedient lifestyle even before this situation. Later, we find out the story where he takes Jesus to the temple to be dedicated and to be circumcised. And he does that, and he offers sacrifices to the Lord, again, being very obedient to the Lord. Later, we have another angelic visitation telling Joseph to take his son and Mary all the way to Egypt in order to protect the child because he was in danger. And that would have been a tremendously difficult journey. But what did Joseph do? He was obedient. All the way through the story, 
we see a life of obedience. You know, one of the great things about being a Christian, one of the great characteristics of mature believers is obedience. We live in a culture that sometimes we, we think we know something when we attend maybe a, a lecture or a Bible study and we go deep with, into a topic from an intellectual basis. We gain all this knowledge and then we think we've, we actually know it. That's kind of how our culture is wired. In the biblical culture, in the Jewish culture, you didn't know diddly squat, that's an Arkansas term, <laughs> until you lived it out, until you actually put it into practice in your life, until you obeyed the teaching or the command. And we have to understand that. The Bible makes it very clear. You can go to places like James where he says, do not just be merely hearers of the word or listeners of the word, but you've got to be doers. You've got to put your faith into action. You have to do what it says. So when we go through these Bible studies and these classes and we have sermons and all these things, that's great information, but it can't stop there. Joseph teaches us that you've got to do what the Bible tells you to do or what God tells you to do through the scriptures or his messengers. Be doers of the word. Be obedient. Joseph is a great example. You know, as we think about this story, all the way through it, it's a story of rejection, of humiliation, even of danger. Some of you have heard me talk a little bit about Joseph and Mary's journey to Bethlehem. And you might remember that journey. It was late in Mary's pregnancy when they had to go to Bethlehem. That was Joseph's home city, his family city, to register for this census. And so he takes Mary with him, no doubt, because he wanted to take care of her and protect her from all of the, the gossip and all of the bad things that no doubt were part of her day-to-day -day life in Nazareth. And they make their way and they get to Bethlehem. And you might remember the story. It says that there was no room for them in the guest house. And I think what we need to understand is that the guest house would have very likely not been an inn like a holiday inn. It would have been a family member's home extended family of Joseph's. They were there for the census and the families would have hosted the people. No room for them in the guest house. And the question we ought to ask is why was there no room for them in the guest house? In a culture of hospitality, in a culture where when a pregnant woman shows up in extreme pregnancy, they rally around her all of the women would have done that. Why did that not happen for Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem? Why was there no room for them in the guest house? Well, I think the best answer is because the family, because they had been embarrassed by her getting pregnant out of wedlock, because of the shame that she brought upon them were shunning her. 
And that's why Mary and Joseph end up having to be relegated to a stable. That's why Jesus was literally born in a barn. That's why when he was born, he was laid in a, an animal's feed trough. That's what a manger was. Extraordinary humility. I think Joseph very probably, very possibly, had to deliver his own son. And I don't think they taught him that in carpentry school. The whole story shouts of danger. You medical people think about that scene. The very unsterile environment that God allowed his one and only son to be put into in that manger. It speaks of danger. It speaks of rejection. And it speaks of humiliation. And it's not just this part of the story, it's the whole story. And we have to understand our God will allow us, his people, his children, to be put in very dangerous situations, situations where we are rejected by many in the world, maybe even in our own families, situations where we are humiliated. But out of that humiliation, when we are faithful, we are obedient, we will grow into these qualities like humility and like Christ-like unconditional love and kindness. That's a lesson we can learn from Joseph. Thank God that his ways are not like our ways and his thoughts are not like our thoughts. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church podcast. If you don't already have a church home, we invite you to join us in person each Sunday morning. Our contemporary worship service is at 9 a.m. and our traditional service is at 11.15. For more information, be sure to check out our website, cbclr.org. 